This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Today we're talking about extra anticipation. We need to create space. That expectation to be filled. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And Father, as we share, you are helping us to see our next six years. We know that you started something in this house. You started a fire that cannot be put out by man. You started a fire that cannot be put out by critics. You started a fire that can only burn for your glory. So we thank you. And we are ready for you to feel us like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7. And the reason why our year is tad extra is because God gave us a word for this year. That our year is a year of fruitfulness and abundance. So, so where did you find extra? Oh, well, we just interpreted that as extra. Right? Fruitfulness and abundance. So when you're fruitful, that's good. But abundance is much more than you ever require. So abundance is the overflow. And if it's overflow, that means it's extra. Right? And we said the abundance, the extra, is not yours to keep. Right? The extra is for others. Others. But he's called us to be fruitful. And he's called us into abundance. And for some of us, we've experienced abundance in our lives. From the beginning of the year, for some of us, we are still in the process. Now, I remind you, the year is not ended yet. Actually, we've just stepped into our sixth year. So, is the, the next 12 months... Is your year of fruitfulness and abundance. In the name of Jesus. Hey, don't forget our prayer works. So when you say amen, say it by faith, right? Amen. All right. So we are experiencing fruitfulness in our houses. We are experiencing fruitfulness and abundance in our relationships, in our job, in our business, in our health. And because we've spoken it, it has no option but to happen. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Sad story. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what do you Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept Pouring. Say that with me. She kept pouring. 
When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Mm. Another sad story. He said, but that was a good story. Good outcome. Nope. Sad story. Because the oil stopped flowing. And why did the oil stop flowing? Because there were no more jars. No more empty jars. Extra anticipation. Next verse. She went and told the man of God and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You and your son can live on extra. Right? You and your son can live on extra. Extra is a beautiful thing. All right. John chapter 2. We'll come back to this, all right? But let's quickly run through John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and so on and so forth. He was saying, how come you bring the best wine? At the end of the party, you should bring this at the very beginning. Yeah. Probably that was where whinging started. Praise God. Now, what I want to draw from these two scriptures that we've just read is the fact that there were two things or, you know, the same thing that was available in two scriptures. Jazz. Pots, empty. They were empty. In the book of Second Kings, the prophet told the woman, "Go get as many as you can," and he said, "Don't borrow a few." And that was almost a warning. Don't borrow a few. Borrow as many as you can. And in John chapter two. Jesus' mother told the disciples or told the people around. He said, whatever he tells you, do. She was expectant. I dare say that she was waiting for the wine to, <laughs> to run out. Because she had a plan. She was expectant. Said to Jesus, Jesus, there's no more wine. And Jesus said, hey, I was just invited the way you're invited. So why are you getting me involved? And then she walked away and told the guy standing around, say, whatever he tells you. Because she was expectant. 
she was expectant. So whatever he tells you, do it. And probably they're thinking, what do you mean? Shut up. Whatever he tells you, just do. Don't argue. And then Jesus said, hey, can you fill these six jars? And each jar held about 75 liters. So can you fill each of them up? So that suggests to us that the jars were possibly empty. And do you know God is looking for empty jars to fill? Jars that are expectant of something. Jars that are expectant of a miracle. Jars that are expectant of an infilling. We read yesterday from the book of Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15. It said, until the spirit be poured upon us from on high, that the wilderness will be counted for a fruitful field, and a fruitful field will be considered a forest. In other words, God is considering your empty situation and wants to make it blossom. He wants to make it blossom. It might be looking really terrible right now, but it's okay. Calm down. Just turn up your expectation a little bit. Turn up your anticipation a little bit. Become curious. God, what are you up to today? You don't wake up and think, oh, well, yeah, another day. What a boring day. No. God, what are you about to do today? I'm waiting. We need to crank up our expectation a little bit and say, God, I'm here. Empty and ready. Can you say that with me? I'm empty and ready. Do you know when you're filled, there's no space to fill. And if you fill your mind with all the horrible thoughts, there's no place God can fill with his beautiful, amazing ideas for you. But the first question, if you remember, from Second Kings, and if you don't mind going back there, that would be lovely. The first question the woman was asked was, in verse 2, he said, how can I help you? How can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house. Two questions together. How can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? I believe that the level to which you can be helped is based on what's available to you. It's based on what's available. What's available to you? To the woman, get what she said, right? What did she say? She said, your servant has nothing at all. So even the jar of oil that she had, she considered it as nothing. She thought it's nothing. You know, at times we've got this potential inside of us. We've got something that God can use, but we don't see it. We're going, but we've got nothing, God. We've got nothing. I've been going through these and, you know, it feels like I'm just by myself. You know, at times we, t- we tell ourselves that, that kind of story. It feels like I'm the only one in the world. I've got nothing. And the Holy Spirit is thinking, but I thought I'm in you. I thought you invited me into your life a long time ago. And you feel like you've got no one. You feel like you've got nothing. Don't forget what was in the jar of oil. It was oil. That was in the jar of oil. It was not an empty jar of oil. Are you still here? 
And oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit finds his place in you, he resides. He lives in you. He does not leave on time. Why did I say on time? Because he never wants to leave anyway. But at times, if you do anger him, he doesn't leave. But he reclines in a way that you don't even feel that he's still there. My second point is underestimating the power of what you've got in your possession. You know, at times we do that. We underestimate the power of what we've got in our possession. The woman said, I've got nothing. Was she lying? She wasn't lying. That was how she felt. That was what she believed. And that was why she was afraid. If she knew that the jar of oil had the potential to make her a rich woman, do you think she would be complaining? Do you think verse 1 will even exist? Think about verse 1. Look at verse 1 again. He said, the wife of a man from the company of the prophet cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered God. In other words, this guy served God. He served God, but now he's dead. And he's left, up, left us with a big debt. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as a slave. In other words, we don't have enough money to pay him back. So now we're in trouble. But there was something right in her room. She didn't consider. First question for you. What's that in you that you've underestimated? Because God is calling us into an extra anticipation. God, what are you about to do? I'm available. I'm here. I'm yours. I'm available. Mm. Verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Can I speak to those people who have neighbors yet don't have neighbors? There are some of us, how many of you know your neighbor? Oh, lovely too. Uh, we're passing. Great. <laughs> Just kind of. And how many years have you been in that house? 27 years. Oh, dear God. Praise God. But you see, until you have a good relationship with your neighbor, there's no way you can go and ask and borrow jars from. So there's no way you can even share the gospel with them. No matter how much you're burning for Jesus, if you don't have a good rapport with your neighbors, there's no way you can pass it on. And God is asking us for extra anticipation of what he's about to do with the empty jars in our neighborhood. Because just your jar in your room is not enough. He wants to fill the neighborhood with his oil. And he's asking you, what can you do to bring in more jars? Are you still here? What can you do to bring in more jars? And he goes, he said, Go around and ask all your neighbors. All your neighbors, not a few. And he's saying, don't leave some out. Especially the one that did not mow your lawn when she was mowing hers. Don't leave that one out. Go talk to him. The ones that saw your, your washing 
outside and it was about to rain and they didn't take them in for you. I said, still go and talk to them. It's okay. The ones that saw your child running across the street, instead of helping your child in, they decided to call the Department of Children's Services. So it's okay. Go talk to them. Are you still here? Go talk to them. And what do you do? He said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Ask them, how many have you got? How many can I borrow? How many can I borrow? Don't ask for a few. And there, my thoughts around that was this. Empty jars hold the capacity to be filled. They've got to be empty. He could have said, well, ask for jars. But he had to qualify the type of jars he was looking for, empty ones. And he did not tell her how big they should be or how small they should be. He said, just go and ask for. And possibly God is sending you out to ask for empty jars. And you're thinking, well, that guy, man, he's homeless. I can't even talk to him. God is saying, go ask for empty jars. Because that person might just be a jar that God wants to fill. Ask for empty jars. Say, well, that guy, he seems to be the CEO of a particular company. He happens to be my neighbor. I'm so lucky. Great. Go and ask. Empty jars. Talk to him. Hallelujah. Say, but it's my, it's my, um, my boss at work. This boss is, is a bully. It's okay. He's an empty jar. That's why he's a bully. He's empty. Talk to him. He needs to be filled. The more empty jars are available, the more effective is the flow of God's power. You believe that? Because that's what the Bible said. As long as there were empty jars, the oil kept flowing. And when there was no more jar, empty jar left, the oil stopped. All right. So there were three people in this whole business. Mom and two sons. Mom and two sons, right? And mom left the job of finding empty jars to the two sons. And don't forget, I'm not quite sure how old these sons are, but I would like to guess that they were teenagers. Okay? And some of us know that teenagers are the laziest people on earth. Some of us know. Because I was once a teenager, so hey, come on. So some of us know that. Lazy. Okay, go get jazz. Yes, mom. Jeanette, have you got jazz? Mom wants jazz. How about a cup? That would do. Brings the cup in. But we've got a big tub of something. It's pretty heavy. Can't carry it. Sorry, next time. So they brought the jazz that they could get and brought it to mom. Mom left that job to them. Mom could have gone out herself to fetch jazz. But they brought in jars, and mom started to pour and pour and pour. But she had an expectation. She said, bring me one more. And they said, but mom is done. Mom had expectation. But the kids caused the miracle to cease. And that is why I said, and that was another sad story. Because as long as there were empty jars... The oil would have kept flowing. Are you still here? 
Do you know that when we no longer speak to people about Jesus, the power in the church will be gone? Because the reason why the church has got power is because there are so many people in the world to save. And God is saying, bring the empty jars. We're six years old. And we need to bring jars in. Forgot to fill them. Because they are important. And think about it. Who knows in whose house that jar that is now filled will be sitting for another word to go out, bringing more empty jars. So the more filled, the more jars are filled, the more the capacity to fill more empty jars. Are you still here? All right. So let's think about it this way. Mm. Say so the flow is limited where there is no capacity. The flow is limited where there's no desire. The flow is limited where there's no anticipation. The flow is limited. It stops. Think about this as well. God expects us to have huge expectation or desire or hunger. That is why he went. Don't bring in a few. Not just a few. More. More. Say, but I already invited them to church before, but they are not Christians. Of course. Why would you invite Christians to church? Did you get that? You're not meant to invite Christians to church. Christians should go to church. Right? Christians should go to church. And those Christians that you're thinking, well, that's a Christian too, so I'll invite them to my church. Why your church? I thought they should have a church. And if they don't have a church, ask them, are you a Christian? I said, but going to church does not make one a Christian. That is true. Does not make one a Christian, but it keeps one a Christian. Because as iron sharpens iron, so believers ought to sharpen themselves. Because you could sleep. But when you find yourself in the midst of other believers, while you're sleeping, another person holds you up. But my point here is, hey, don't look for Christians to bring to church. Look for those who aren't Christians. Church belongs to those who are not Christians. Bring them. So, but they're not good enough. Not, you know, I see that guy. That, that guy's really terrible. He's got tattoos all over him. That's the ones that Jesus needs. Bring them. He said, well, man, that guy is drugged out. It's okay. Do you know Jesus didn't come for you who is so righteous? He came for those ones who are drugged out. Bring them. Because those are the empty jars that God is looking to fill. Extra anticipation. Hallelujah. Expectant attitude raises curiosity. Think about what would have happened when the kids were running ar around the street asking for empty jars. What do you think the, the neighbors would be thinking? Oh no, they are running crazy too. Their, their father just died. 
and no one is looking after them. Probably mom is inside the house hooked on Xbox or something. So they become curious. The neighbors are curious now. They're thinking, so what's going on? What's going on? And do you know that your expectant attitude will raise curiosity and people will start to ask questions. What's going on? Why are you going to church on Saturday? Why are you going to church? You went to church on Friday, now Saturday, then Sunday. What is wrong with you? Have you lost it? Is your problem so big now that you, have, you need prayer every day? Your expectant attitude raises curiosity. And until people around you start to ask, how, why are you like this? You've not started yet. Extra anticipation. Amen. We're right. Anticipation is usually accompanied by instruction. They are usually accompanied by instruction. You see, if you remember, the, the man of God, Elisha, said to the woman, said, go borrow jars, empty jars. And after borrowing, said, shut yourself in the room and start to pour. Jesus, in John chapter 2, said to those guys who were standing around, he said, hey, do me a favor. Fill up the jars. Specific instructions. And the main content of the instruction is to fill. And until you start filling, nothing is happening yet. And one way to fill is to ensure that every empty jar that you bring in, you disciple. It's your responsibility. Say, but that's why pastor is there. No, you are the pastor of anyone you bring to church. Wake the next person. Say, wake up. Say, but I didn't want to be a pastor. Yeah, I know. Me too. Because no one gets, you know, no, no one is born into, okay, this person is born today. Oh, wow, pastor. No. At some point in your life, you feel the calling of God in, in your heart. And you go, all right, I'll do this. And at the very point, you speak to someone about Jesus. Guess what? You've just identified your calling. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and 18, it says, we are now the ambassadors of Christ. We represent him. And if we are ambassadors of Christ, what are we then? You're still here. So, don't just only think, oh, well, let's bring in empty jars and pastor will fill them. You bring in empty jars, don't forget, you've got a jar of oil, especially when you think, I've got nothing. Look very well, you've got a jar of oil. Are you still here? You've got a jar of oil and pick that jar of oil and look for as many empty jars as possible and start filling Start feeling, start feeling, start feeling. And I'm talking to every one of us, not just as an individual, but as a church. Because we've got work to do. We've got work to do. Oh, come on, we've got work to do. Do you know in our city how many teenagers, how many young adults are getting themselves hooked on 
terrible things. We've got work to do. We've got work to do. You know how the scripture says um, the path to the kingdom is narrow, but the path to hell is wide. That was not a statement that was made to say that's how it's going to remain. It was to let you know that you've got work to do. And our work is to widen the path to the kingdom and narrow the path to hell. That's our job. That's why Jesus said, hey, look up. The field is white already. Say, pray that God will send laborers into the field. Said, okay, laborers into the field, and some people think this way. So you, you talk to people on the street, you just do community with them. And then, then you um, don't tell them about Jesus, it's okay, because that will scare them. I'm like, where are you? Who are you? You're a Christian. And the, reason, the reason you're a Christian is because you've got Jesus. And if you can't tell them about Jesus, then you are not a Christian. So don't tell them about Jesus. Just do community with them. Gradually they will see who you are and then you will come. How about if Jesus comes before they see who you are? As you are doing community, great. Don't knock their head over with the Bible. But show your life to them. And let them know you are a Christian. Of course. It's just like I can't hide myself as a dark-skinned person, of course, I'm an African. So also I should not be able to hide myself as a Christian. They should see it in me. I shouldn't go, well, let's just do life together. I don't have to tell them I'm a Christian until they kind of get to know the kind of life that I'm living. They like me then gradually. And that probably might take 10 years. No, tell them. Tell them. And there's no way you, um, a farmer does not go out to the farm to harvest and leave his harvest in the field. Where does he take his harvest? He brings them home. Bring them back home. Are you still here? All right. Let God fill you so that you can have the capacity to fill others. Don't just settle for the life that, you know, that, oh, it's just me. It's okay. The way I'm doing it is all right. I can go to church on Sunday. That's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And it's not just about attendance at church so that we can have big numbers. No. But because I know when you're not here, I know when you're not here, we are not rubbing off on, on each other. You're all by yourself. But every time we come back home to family, we're rubbing off on each other. We, we of course, we annoy each other. That, and that's okay. That's okay. Don't ever go to church and go, well, I don't want to be annoyed. You know, that church, they annoyed me. Shame on you. You're still like that. Annoyance will come. And the church is not full of perfect people. Hey. We are imperfect beings made righteous by God. So I'm the chief imperfect person. So don't think, well, no one will annoy you when you go to church. Say those Christian people. Christian people should not be annoying. Who said? 
There will be. Go and ask Peter. Peter got annoyed and cut off someone's ear. Ask Jesus. He got so annoyed and threw the, 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 the money changer stuff in the temple. But it depends on what is your annoyance about. And we're not talking about anger. We're talking about being annoyed. All right? So what's he about? It has to be about the kingdom anyway. So we're Christians. Let's do it well. Let's not pretend as though we are perfect angels on earth until Jesus comes to take us. No, we are not perfect angels. We are righteous God's people. We are righteous God's people. Not perfect people, but we are righteous. There's a difference between righteousness and perfection. Only God is perfect, but we are righteous. Amen. And it's not our doing. It was a gift. And I'm putting on the righteousness of God because he gave it to me as a gift. It was my birthday gift. The day I got born again, he gave me a birthday gift, righteousness. And I've been wearing it ever since. Hallelujah. All right, let's, let's finish this. Woo, glory to God. Hmm. One of my thoughts that I've put down is that the more they hunger, the bigger they overflow. The more they hunger, the bigger, the larger they overflow. The more the jars, the more they overflow. You see, what, um, what the prophet finally told the woman in verse 7, in verse 7, he said, I'm waiting. Verse 7. It's coming. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, number one. Go sell the oil and pay your debt. And then when you and your sons can leave on the extra. I'm not sure how long that extra lasted. But think about it. If they had times 10 extra. They will have enough to live for their generations to come. So if the kids, those two boys, understood what this meant, what do you think? They could have gone through the whole city looking for jars. Mom needs jars. What do you want it for? Shut up. Mom needs jars. Just give me jars. Big one. Go to Burnings. Burnings. Non-for-profit organization, we need jars. We need a tank. How many have you got? Because regardless of what jar or tank you bring in, God is able to fill. Are you still here? God is able to fill. And can I also quickly change that a little bit? Regardless of what problem you have, Every problem is a representation of an empty jar. God is able to fill. Every problem is a need. And every need is emptiness. And every emptiness has the capacity to be filled. And can I say to you, don't ever hide away from yourself. Don't ever hide away from God's instruction. And when he says to do, do. Jesus said, or rather Mary said, 
He said, whatever he asks you to do, do it. At times, you don't have to argue. You just do it. Because God knows why he's doing it. You see, the interesting thing about that story in John chapter 2, um, when Jesus said, fill the jars. And those, um, those uh, pots were for cleansing. People washed their feet with them, with the water in them. All right? And Jesus said, fill it with water to the brim. He didn't just say, just pour some water into it. No, he said, fill it to the brim. God is looking for something that he fills to the brim to the point of overflowing. He says, so fill it to the brim. And then they filled it to the brim. Do you, realize, do you realize that Jesus didn't pray? He didn't pray. Because he says the word, and the word means, oh, you know, it makes all the difference. So he didn't pray. He said, okay, then you filled it, great, instruction done. And you obeyed. Fantastic. All right, take some. And they took some. He said, take it to the head of the party. And of course, the guys who took the water from the uh, pot, they understood the content of the pot. They probably thought, oh no, dirty water. Then they gave it to the head of the party who tasted and went, best wine. One's perception goes, dirty water. The other one goes, best wine. Do you know what God does with you? Whilst you might think it's not a big deal, the world sees it as, that's a miracle. Psalm 127, very quickly, and we'll end with that. Hallelujah. All right, this is where I'm taking you to, Psalm 126. I said 127. It's actually 126. Amen. So when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. This is where I'm taking you to. It was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. You see how I said... Some people think, oh, well, that's <clears throat> dirty water. And other goes, oh, wow, best wine. All right. So it was said, verse 1 again, when the Lord turned again, restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. It was said first among the nations. All right. Next one. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Now, the people who first realized that, oh, wow, this is lovely what God has done for them were the nations. Before we realized, oh, actually, it's true. It's true. Do you know when you are filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit at times, you don't even see anything happening. But it's people that sees you and they go, that is amazing. That's fantastic. Remember, in, uh, in the book of Exodus, after Moses had gone up to the mountain, there was another person with him. His name was Joshua. Uh, Joshua was an amazing man. But Joshua did not go up the mountain. Joshua was at the foot of the mountain, Mount Sinai. All right? So Moses had spent how many days? 40 days and 40 nights up there. Guess where Joshua was? Joshua didn't go home. He was right there camping at the foot of the mountain. 
All right? Then God said to Moses, Moses, the people in the camp, they've forgotten me because you're no longer there. All right, go back and let them, come on, tell them I'm still here. So Moses came down from the top of the mountain, going to the camp of the Israelites. Of course, Joshua was with him. Joshua did not notice anything funny about Moses. But Moses walked into the camp of the Israelites. Guess what? They were running away from him. Why? Because his face shone as a sun. The question for you is, how come Joshua didn't tell him that? Because Joshua didn't know. Why didn't Joshua know? Because Joshua carried the same anointing. Okay, how come Moses himself didn't know? Because he didn't realize. And that is more of the reason when you are filled, there's this thing that you carry that only the world will bring your attention to it. And when the world starts to bring your attention to how amazing you are, please, can you speak to me again? Because it feels like every time you speak to me, there's something that changes in my life. You know you're carrying something. Hallelujah. It's true. You're carrying something. And hey, raise your anticipation level. Bring extra. Every time you come to church, don't just sit there. Expect something amazing to happen. It's lovely to just sit there and just go, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yep, yep. No, but expect something. Because if you aren't expectant, nothing will happen. Amen. I'll stop there tonight. This message was not to make you shout and scream, but this was to get you some thoughts that God is expecting some jars from you tomorrow. Become the two boys who needs to bring jars. All right? Hey, don't bring a few. Bring much more. Start from your room. Search around. What are those jars that I need to bring to God? Start from your children. What are those jars? Start from your neighbors. Where, where are the jars? Empty jars. Come on, empty jars. We need them. We need them. We need them. Because they ought to be filled by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can you stand on your feet? Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you, Holy Spirit. It's our sixth year. It's our sixth year. And it's a year of extra. We'll learn to walk more with the Lord. But much more than that, we'll learn to be more anticipate, anticipating of God's work. Of what he's doing in our life. We are raising our anticipation level. We are expectant. We are more desirous of his will, of his power, and his working through us. We praise you, God. We honor you, Father. Can I, can I, can I get you to just pray this prayer? And just ask God, God, Give me a spirit that is unforced. You know, David prayed in Psalm 51. He said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. I know that translation called it an unforced spirit. He said, when you do that, then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted unto you. In other words, he's saying, when you give me an unforced spirit, I'll bring more jars home. I'll bring more containers. I'll bring more tanks to be filled. So let that be your prayer tonight. Lord, give me an unforced spirit. A spirit 
that helps me to realize what I have in my house, what I have in my heart, the potentials that have been lying fallow in my heart. I want to be able to use it and pour more into empty jars. Help me. Bring my attention to those things that are lying fallow. Bring my attention to those things that are been, not being used for quite a while. Bring my attention to those creativity that I used to have. Help me to see the importance. Help me to see how beautiful it makes your house. Help me to see how beautiful it can make other people. Bring my attention to them. In Jesus' name. Amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.